morning, y'all. It is like almost Christmas time. It's the coolest thing ever. You know, like I remember, and y'all may not be able to remember this. I can remember December 25th, 2001. That was the first Christmas for me as a believer. This is what the front yard looked like. Y'all remember that scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Dude, there, every house in the neighborhood's power went off. There were lights. And I didn't know nothing about hanging Christmas lights. I was hammering nails all around the house. Susan was at work, and I was hammering nails around the house. I didn't know about these little clip things. I just went and bought like $300 worth of lights. And she got home, and she said, how'd you get those up? And she looked, and there was 5,000 nails, you know, all around the house. Christmas is just such an exciting time of the year. Um, you heard in the announcements, two or three announcements, we're like, must be like the ugly sweater church or something. Everything was ugly sweater, ugly sweater. I want to remind you of one thing too. <clears throat> For next week, um, it is ugly sweater Sunday, and there is a contest because everything is about competition and winning. So somebody is going to win the ugly sweater competition. I'm not going to tell you what you're going to get, but there is a prize. But also... Next Sunday is our kids are going to come in and sing a couple of songs. And so y'all need to be here dressed ugly and ready to listen to kids singing. Um, I want to just tell you a couple of a couple of little update things. Number one is this. <clears throat> I want to remind us and I want to keep in front of us kind of all the time um, our mission as a local church family in Columbus uh, our mission and our vision. Our mission, and you see it underneath the logo out there, and we don't go over this a ton, but our mission is helping people find their way back to God and grow. That is our mission. Most everything we do as a church family is filtered through that, helping people find their way back to God and grow. And our vision, um, that's our mission. And our vision is reaching every man, woman, and child in the, in the Chattahoochee Valley area with the gospel. That's what we filter stuff through that we do as a church. Y'all, we started a jail ministry, I'm going to six or seven or eight weeks ago. And you just got in, and we've, we have a group of women that go into one of the pods in, in the Muskogee County Jail. And, and y'all need to know this, in the last five or six weeks, 16 women in the Muskogee County Jail have gotten saved. 16 women. That is just, God is moving. He's moving, and, and he's using his church. The Holy Spirit is all over that. So I just, y'all need, just need to know those kinds of things. That is why we exist. That's Acts 1.8. It's Acts 1.8. It's the end of the, the book of Matthew. It's the Great Commission. And so you just need to know that. Um, I want to call your attention. If this is your first time here or second time here or whatever, and you've never gotten one of these in your hands, I do this every Sunday, this is a little welcome kit. It tells you about our church. It tells you just about uh, our core beliefs, our, our values, what we think is important in, the, in fulfilling uh, our mission and our vision. And, and, and so if, you, if you're, this is your first time here, if you have never uh, gotten one of these, Elliot and Katie Long are over here, and I just ask you to raise your hand. They'll stick one of these in your hand. Inside of that, as well as in the seat back in front of you, is a connection card. If this is your first time here, I would encourage you to fill this connection card out, drop it in the offering bucket, or turn it into the connection desk. If you've got a prayer request, I want you to know that our leadership in this church prays over these cards every 
single week by name. We are praying for whatever, whatever the needs are in our church. It's what, it's what we do. And so I'd encourage you to fill this out first time here or if you have a prayer, uh, any kind of prayer need. Um, and if you just want to communicate anything to the church, that's a, that's a way to do it. And the last thing before we jump into the message is last week I introduced you all to these invite cards. I wanna, and I told you last week that I was going to shame you this week. But I asked you to, to, to invite people to church. And so I, and I said, I'm going to ask if you did. And, so, and, I, and I started this morning to say I'm not going to ask people to raise your hands, but I am going to ask you to raise your hands. If you invited anybody to church last week, and if you shared one of these cards, these True Life org cards, raise your hand. So a few people, a lot of people actually did. I did. I was at Starbucks um, Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, and I there was two ladies sitting there, and I went up and I and I I said, if you uh, don't have a church home, um, I'd love to invite you to spend Sunday with us. And if remember, I said, don't skip a breath. And if and if you can't do it, I understand. But there's a website on the back of this card that has some really good video answers to tough questions, and they both said, thank you, they were very nice, and they said, by the way, we're Jehovah's Witnesses, and I said, can I sit down right here and just talk to y'all for a little bit? It was cool, like, that was a door that God kind of opened up Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever that was, but look, we are in uh, week six of this this series, uh, Walking Through the Apostles' Creed, and we're allowing that creed that ancient, really, almost 2,000-year-old creed to guide us into some of the foundational truths uh, within Christianity. And we're doing that, doing that by, by allowing the creed to drive us towards the Scripture to see what the Bible has to say about whatever it is in the creed. So far, we've <clears throat> it begins with, uh, I believe in God the Father. And so we talked about God the Father. We talked about, uh, for a week or two, we talked for... I don't know, two, three or four weeks about God the Son. We talked about the Father. We talked about the Son. Um, and, we, and today we're going to talk, our section of the creed is I believe in the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to talk about and we're going to dig and see what the Scripture says uh, about the Holy Spirit, about who He is, about the ministries of the Holy Spirit, and the really the total, absolute, for real victory in the Christian life that the Holy Spirit can, can help you move towards. And we got to look at a couple of fundamental truths um, about the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, the Holy Spirit is a person, and I hope you have a worship guide. If you don't have a worship guide, please get your hand up, and we'll get one in there, and there's some fill-in-the-blanks and some scripture. Um, that somebody needs a worship guide up here. Somebody could grab one. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. He's a person, not obviously like me and you, but he's also not uh, some mysterious power. And the, the Holy Spirit is not some uh, mysterious experience. Uh, you know, we talked about over the, this last five or six weeks about the Trinity, about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we're, this Holy Spirit that we're talking about today is not an it, the Holy Spirit is a person. People often probably can confuse the manifestations of the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit himself. And by that I mean if you look in Acts chapter 2, the first two or three or four verses of Acts 2 talk about 
this is at Pentecost, and Jesus' guys are, are up there, and the text in Acts 2, I think it's verse 2, says the sound of, of like a rushing wind they heard, and the tongues of fire came down and descended on them. Those, that, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and, and because the Holy Spirit is not a, a, a fire. The Holy Spirit is not a wind. The Holy Spirit is a person, and we know that he is a person because a person has knowledge, and a person has a, a will, and a person has emotion. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Knowledge, the Holy Spirit has knowledge. A person has knowledge. And then, and then look at uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 11 talks about a will, and a will is just the ability to choose. It's like a person has the ability to choose. So verse 11 of chapter 12, but one in the same spirit works all these things, and Paul in this part of, uh, of 1 Corinthians is talking about, um, talking about spiritual gifts, talking about the disbursement of, and the giving out of spiritual gifts. So he says, but one in the same spirit works all these things, all these spiritual gifts, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. The Holy Spirit decides <clears throat> when Ed gets saved, the Holy Spirit decided what spiritual gifts that Ed was going to get. And if you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift. You may have two or three. You may be a, a super Christian and have ten. I don't know. But you're going to have a spiritual gift. And the Holy Spirit decides that. You don't decide that. The Holy Spirit does. So the Holy Spirit has a will, and then the Holy Spirit has emotion. And all emotion is is the ability to, to feel and to express feelings. Look at Romans 15.30. It tells us about the love of the Spirit. And then Ephesians 4.30 tells us that the, the Holy Spirit, you can grieve the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can feel love and express love, and the Holy Spirit can be grieved and get angry. So, the, the, so just like you wouldn't call God the Father or God the Son it. Don't call the Holy Spirit an it. He's a person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All co-equal people, persons of the Trinity. Different functions, but equal. There is not a hierarchy in the Trinity. It's not the Father is above the Son who is above the Spirit. They're equal. Different functions, but they're equal. So number one. Number two is this. And this is really where I want to land today. We, we need to understand what he does. We need to understand what this person does. We need to understand what the Holy Spirit does. And so we're going to be in the Gospel of John, and we're going to be in a few different places in some of Paul's letters. We're going to look at one, two, three, four, five things, five ministries of the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, he activates and I think this is uh, in your worship guide. So he activates. Paul wrote in multiple places that when you and I are saved, we become a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. There's rebirth. We're born again. We're a new creation. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. The old passes away and the new has come. And you know, um, you might even say that 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 the Holy Spirit activates um, 
activates our, our new creationness. I'm famous for making up Ed words. That's an Ed word, new creationness. Hashtag that word, new creationness. N-E-W-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-N-E-S-S. New, the Holy Spirit activates that in us. Watch this little 30-second video. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from O.C. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. I'm not going to shame you to say, do you, do, you, have you, do you remember seeing that commercial when it ran? Because if you do, you're older than I am, and I'm old. That, that commercial was from about 1960. And so it's advertising this stuff called Alka-Seltzer, and that medicine is designed to relieve and to handle and to help with an upset stomach. Alka-Seltzer would be activated by the dropping of those two big white tablets down in a, in a glass of water. And it, it's almost like a volcanic um, reaction that it's but, you know, fizzling and, and, and doing all of that and it's bubbling up. And so there's a, a real reaction when that, those tablets get dropped down in there. Anybody ever put Mentos in a Diet Coke? I almost did that today, but then I thought I remembered how we, what happened when we, me and my kids did it and it kind of shot up all over the place. So... We're going with the Alka-Seltzer. And so it, it, it's, it's there to help with an upset stomach. And, and you know, because if you've ever done it, it the, the reaction is almost volcanic. When people accept Christ as Savior, God drops the Holy Spirit into our new nature. We're a new creation, and he drops the Holy Spirit into our new nature. And the Spirit's presence is that he does stuff, right? It is designed to, to activate a change in our upset life, in our upset circumstances, in our upset minds. He's an activator, and so he activates that. And God did that so his people would, would discover, oh, what a relief he is. That was so corny. That was, I, I shouldn't even have said it. But he activates us, and, and, and he changes us, and he handles all the little upset components of our life. So he activates, number one. Number two, he counsels and he comforts us. John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and I know I say this to y'all, that when you're studying Scripture, when you're reading Scripture, look at words that are used often. So look at, look at John 14, 16. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The message, paraphrase. Now, the message is not a translation. The message is a paraphrase, but listen to what the message says. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend. So ESV says helper. Message says friend so that you will always have someone with you. The NIV says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The King James says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that, that he may abide with you Forever. Notice all these translations, they all say, they all use the word always or forever. The helper will always be with you. He will never 
leave you. If he's always with you, he will never leave you. Hold on to that truth, y'all. Never means never. He will never leave you. And you see this word in this verse translated uh, helper and friend and advocate and comforter. Other translations use the word encourager or teacher or guide or companion. Why those different translations? The Greek word is parakletos. Parakletos, the literal meaning of parakletos is one who comes alongside. One who comes alongside. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. He comes alongside of us to provide us counsel and to provide us guidance, to bring guidance into our lives. He comes alongside of us to help us and, and to direct us and to guide us in really in any situation that you and I may encounter. He is alongside of us to be, uh, to be a guide. The Holy Spirit keeps us driving on the straight path. Some of y'all know Gator Morgan. I love Gator Morgan. I've known him since he was, he, his son, he, him and my oldest son were born about a week apart. They were born about a week apart. I've been friends with his daddy, mom and daddy for a long time. I love to listen to Gator pray. Every time he prays, he says, Lord, keep us on the straight and narrow path. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. He keeps us on the straight and narrow path. He guides us. If we veer off, he guides us onto that, that path. And I know that in today's times, most of us use our phone for, uh, for driving directions. If you use your phone for driving directions, raise your hand. See, it's like everybody, it's what we do. We do, but it wasn't that many years ago that we had these things called a Garmin. How many of y'all had a Garmin? So we had a Garmin. You may have, might have had a TomTom. Anybody remember the TomTom? Same thing. Well, and some of you folks that are really young, you have no earthly idea what I'm talking about. But it was, a, it was a GPS system, and it was just like, really just like what your phone does, but it was a big box that sat on top of your, uh, atop of your dashboard, and it had this weighted bottom so that it theoretically wouldn't move, but it moved all the time. But they work kind of like your phone does, and it had a voice. Our Garmin had a voice, it was, so it was audible, like your phone is, and it had a screen on it like your phone does. We got ours about the time that Bruce Almighty came out. Y'all remember the movie Bruce Almighty? So when Bruce Almighty came out, Jim Carrey played this TV reporter. We had just gotten this garment. Jim Carrey played this TV reporter named Bruce. And who remembers who played God? Morgan Freeman played God. And I love Morgan Freeman's voice. And you know how on your, uh, on your phone you're talking to Siri. Well, the garments came with a feature where you could change the voice, right? Um, and my kids made it some, like, French female sexy kind of voice or something, but I changed it to Morgan Freeman's voice because I love the way Morgan Freeman talks. So these Garmin's work like our phone does, right? There was a red, uh, there was like a red dot on the screen, and that showed our current location. And you got to know that this was like for y'all that are super, that are young, and, you, and it's all on your phone. It's not as amazing as it was to us. We had this thing on our dash, and I didn't have to have this big atlas map getting us right where we need to go. So it showed us our current location, and then we could watch our progress as we headed towards and moved towards our intended destination. And Morgan Freeman would come on, and he would direct me, and he would tell me where to turn, and he would tell me where to merge, and he would tell me where to stop, and he gave me clear 
instructions on how to get where I needed to go. And I was in the car one day, and I punched in on the Garmin where, uh, where I was headed. And so I'm riding along, and I'm following uh, the word, right? I'm fought, like literally Morgan Freeman, God is telling me to turn here. And he turned right, and I turned right, and he said, turn left, and I turned left. And, and, and the word is what was telling me that. And, and I brought my driving in line with the word, and therefore I was making progress towards my intended destination. After a while, I decided to try a little experiment with the Garmin. And, and I wanted to see what would happen if I disregarded Morgan's instructions from my GPS, right? So I decided to lean on my own understanding. I decided to try the way of man rather than the way of the system. So when the GPS system said for me to turn right, I kept straight and I totally disregarded the word that had been spoken. And after I passed this exit that the GPS told me to get off on, the screen kind of popped off. Matter of fact, it was, it was um, going over on 185 over Manchester Expressway, going south on 185. And now so there was no picture anymore on the thing and there was no word. And after I'd driven in, uh, for a bit in total rebellion to the system that was in place, the picture popped back on and the red dot showed my errant ways. It showed me where I was in my errant ways and how I had wandered and strayed from that path. And Morgan Freeman slash God came back up on the screen and he said, if you'd like to return to your previous destination, to, excuse me, to your previous location, then get off on the next exit and turn around and go the other way. Y'all, turn around and go the other way. And he said, I'll lead you back to where you were going. God wants me and you to realize that the error of our ways and simply to pay attention to his direction via the GPS that is living inside of you if you're a believer. He will lead you and me in the way that we should go. We just have to be willing to follow the directions and allow him, there's some surrender in that, right? Allow him to direct us and to control us and not lean on our own understanding. When Jesus promised that the paraclete will come alongside of us, he meant that this one called to come alongside is there to help me and you with our deepest, deepest needs. If we're grieving, he will be our comforter. When we're trying to, to understand a passage of Scripture, the same Spirit that inspired the Scripture, think about that. The same Spirit, if you're a believer, that inspired the Bible, the words in the Bible, the text in the Bible, is the same Spirit that lives inside of you. And He will come to be our teacher. And He'll come to be our guide. And He'll unfold the meaning of whatever it is you may be, whatever it is you may be reading. Have you ever, like, picked up your Bible, you're reading, and you may have read this verse, this passage, whatever, 25 times, and you never quite got it. And all of a sudden, the light bulb pops in, uh, over your head, and you get it. Well, that is the Holy Spirit illuminating and helping you and teaching you to understand God's Word. <coughs> um, if we're stumbling and struggling and trying to find our way, the paraclete will be our guide. That is the awesomeness, y'all, of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come alongside of you as a believer 
and help you in the way that you need the help the most. Know this too, if you look at that verse we looked at in John 14 a minute ago. Jesus calls him alos, parakletos. That's another helper, another helper, which means that word another is another of equal quality. Heteros would be another of different quality. And so Jesus himself is saying that the Holy Spirit is equal, another helper, another of equal quality. The Holy Spirit is equal to himself, i.e. the Holy Spirit is God. Um, look at uh, John 16, 7. Jesus tells us in John 16, 7, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, I got to go. I, I got to go because if I don't, the helper, the comforter, the teacher, the guide, the companion will not come. And he is for your, it is for your own good that he comes. The Holy Spirit is called the paraclete because he, uh, this is so critical, the Holy Spirit assumes Christ's Christ's place in the world when Christ is not in the world as the God-man in bodily form. It's like they tagged out. Like Jesus, they're, they're, there's WCW. And they, I just compared God to WCW. They tagged out. Jesus tagged out, ascended to the Father, and the Holy Spirit came to take his place. So then number three, he convicts and he corrects. He convicts and he corrects. John 16 continues on in verse 8. When he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world, the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He convicts of sin. No man can convict of sin. No pastor can convict of sin. A preacher can come to you and he can, he can take the shank of truth and plunge it into you, and, 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 but he can't convict you of sin. A preacher could preach until he is blue in the face, but he cannot convict you of sin. Other Christians who love you can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray for you, but they cannot convict you of sin. Susan's family prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for 20 years that I would get convicted. And at the end of the day, I was convicted. They didn't convict me. They prayed that I would be convicted. The Holy Spirit convicted me. You can read and you can hear Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, and I did. And the Scripture led me personally to to real, for sure, self-reflection and conviction, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Other people can weep over your lostness, your lost condition, and the sin that is in your life, and they did that for me. But the change comes when the Holy Spirit convicts you. With The change that you need and I need in our lives um, comes when you, because you do play a role in this, when you yourself, Sense the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your mind, and you respond to Him. It's not just feeling that, it's the response to feeling that. When you feel that you've sinned and you, and you have a desire, you have a want to to be a Christian, when the weight of the guilt is bearing down on you, that is the Holy Spirit convicting you and you need not resist that. You need not resist it. It's not just remorse. It's not just I feel sorry. Because sometimes people just feel sorry that they got caught. It's not that. And it's not just remorse. It's, it's holy remorse. It's the 
remorse and the conviction and the need to respond to that. But when he, when, he, when he convicts us of sin, he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just stop and kick us to the curb. Convict, I'm convicted of sin, and then he doesn't just say, well, go figure it out. That's not what he does. He doesn't stop there. He, he convicts and he corrects. Look at Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin and then gives you the help that you need to correct the course and the direction of your life, just like the GPS. Get off the highway and make a U-turn, y'all. Repentance is turning. That's what the word literally means. It's to turn and head the other way. So look at this, look at the, these three verses. Be very careful then how you live. The Holy Spirit will help you to be careful how you live. The text says not as unwise but as wise. Not as unwise, don't be a fool. That's the word there. Don't be a fool but be wise. The Holy Spirit will, will, will wisen you up. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. And as you grow and spiritually mature, you will, be, you'll, you will get more wisdom and you will be wiser on down the road. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to do good in the evil days that we live in. The Holy Spirit will help you to understand what God's will is for you, what he wants you to do. The Holy Spirit will fill and control and direct your life if you will let him do that. Y'all, me and you have a consciousness of sin because of what happened in the garden. We're aware of it. We understand that there's sin because of Genesis chapter 3. So we are, yes, very uniquely made in the image of God. Your dog's not. The tree in your front yard is not uniquely made in the image of God. God breathed life into Adam. So we are uniquely, of all of the creation, we are uniquely made in God's image. But we're also, in a very real sense, uniquely sinful. And what I mean by that is the sin that is just so easy for one person to resist is seemingly impossible for the next guy to resist. Whatever it is, if it's alcoholism, and yeah, your father may have been a drunk, and your granddaddy may have been a drunk, and your great-grandpappy may have been a drunk, but I'm telling you it is not your destiny somehow for you to be a drunk. It's not. At the end of the day, it is a choice. Because of that genealogy, it does not mean that you have to be a drunk. It doesn't. It does not have to be like that. And the devil is going to get all up in your ear and say, yes it, yeah, yes, it is. Just look at your mama. Look at your daddy. Look at your granddaddy. It does not have to be that way. And you may be wired, y'all. You may be wired up. And I'm not denying genetics. You may be wired up to be addicted. You may be wired up with a real addictive personality where that temptation is absurdly hard. And I know it's tough. And that temptation um, can be so relentless. But the Holy Spirit, if he's living inside of us, if he's linked up with us, if we have him as our GPS, we can lean on him and he can provide the strength for us. So whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or, or covetousness or same-sex attraction or adultery, whatever it is, 
The Holy Spirit is available to you. I don't care what the sin is. The Holy Spirit is there and available for us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And if you're living a lion's lion lifestyle or a lifestyle in constant jealousy over the perfect life that your friends have that you see on Instagram or whether it's sexual sin or, 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 or it just whatever it is, it does not have to continue. Y'all, it doesn't. The Holy Spirit repairs brokenness. The Holy Spirit repairs uh, all of the broken pieces and parts of our lives. That is what he does. That is what the Lord does. And I know, just trust me, I know that it can be difficult. But I also know this truth, and this is a foundational truth. And I can't remember if it's in your worship guide or not. It is God's purpose that the consciousness of sin become fully the conviction of sin. It is his purpose that our understanding of the sin doesn't stop with our understanding of the sin, that it fully become the conviction of sin. And I am so thankful for that because if not, I would still be as lost as last year's Easter eggs because it, it, it's got to go, y'all, from our head to our heart. I can have head knowledge and be lost as a goose. It's got to find its way, y'all, to our heart. So true conviction of sin that's brought about by the Holy Spirit and that really does lead to repentance, it does involve me a little bit. It does involve you. It, it involves the sinners condemning of their own sin. In other words, all of us have a sense of right and wrong. All of us have a sense of the wrong things in our lives. And sometimes it's blurry and sometimes it's vague. I understand that. But for that feeling, for that feeling to to become conviction, it's got to morph into something more than just a feeling of wrongness. And that something comes by way of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit doesn't bring that on to us apart from our own moral compass. And there are moral absolutes. And what I mean by moral, and the world is going to tell you they're not moral absolutes. But I'm telling you, and the Scripture is telling you that there are. There are things that are at, what a moral absolute is, is is things that are right and wrong no matter what. They're right and wrong across all time, and they're right and wrong across cultures. They're things that are just, you know it inside of you that it's just wrong. And so it is not truly gospel conviction of sin until we recognize sin for, for the sin that it is. We've got to acknowledge it as sin. And we cannot shake our fists at God and say, it's who I am, and you made me that way, and that makes it okay. It doesn't make it okay. I said just a minute ago that you may be wired up. You may be wired up with a propensity to be addicted to, to, to some kind of drug. You still made a choice. Your choice just may be way harder than her choice. But you made a choice. And so you cannot shake your fist at God and say, you made me and you messed it up and therefore it's okay. It's not okay. When we really recognize the sin for the, the, the sinfulness for the sin that it is and we kind of condemn ourselves of it, that is the Holy Spirit convicting us. That is the Holy Spirit convicted us. And he will convict you of the things in your lives that are causing the trouble in your lives. And, but he doesn't put you to the curb. He corrects it and he sets us back on course. And I'm telling y'all, if Morgan Freeman is whispering in your ear right now that you, you need to get off the highway and make a U-turn, don't just ignore that. Don't ignore it. So he convicts us and he corrects us. And fourth, he challenges us and he conquers 
with power. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not, this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, the great might that he worked in Christ when what? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Paul wanted the Ephesian Christians to experience a victorious Christian life. And everything that knowing Christ meant. Listen, you just listen to the passion that Paul puts into that prayer. He knew there was so much more, y'all, to knowing Christ than, than, than just going through the motions, than just getting your, your get-out-of-jail-free card. There's so much more to know in Christ than that. And he knew that it was the Holy Spirit, he called him the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, who would reveal that to them and, and unfold that to them and challenge them to press on and know him in a much deeper way. And Paul goes on to pray for these Christians in chapter 3 of Ephesians, starting in verse 16. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. The Holy Spirit challenge is always pointing back to Christ. He challenges us to know more and more and more about Jesus and to live more passionately for him. And he gives us the power that he displayed in Jesus when he raised him from the dead. That resurrection power as a believer is available to me and you. That power to conquer sin. If you lean on him, he will provide the power. So that is an incredible power that you and I can have as a believer. And lastly, he convinces and he confirms. John 14, verse 17, and then verse 26 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be, will be in you. Verse 26 says, But the helper, the advocate, the guide, the companion, the friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, it's he that will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So he, the spirit of truth, John says, will teach you all things. And I'm telling you, if you've never given your life to Christ and you're really, honestly searching for truth, he will convince you of at least some of the next few little bullets that are going to be on the screen. Number one, he's, the Holy Spirit will convince you the truth about who Jesus is. Y'all, he did it for me. I picked the Bible up trying to prove that Jesus was not who he said he was. Trying to prove it was just big, some big deceptive scam. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit convinced me that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is in the pages of the scripture. The Holy Spirit will convince you that, uh, that you need him. 
that you can't do it on your own. He'll convince you that you do, in fact, need to be saved. He did it to me. All I thought is I didn't need to be saved. What did I need that Jesus stuff for? I, I, there wasn't nothing wrong with me. And if there wasn't nothing wrong with me, I didn't save from what? So, but he the Holy Spirit convinced me that I needed to be saved. He'll convince you that only those who are born again will live forever in heaven. He'll convince you that you are savable when the world and maybe even your family are telling you that you're too far gone. That is a lie from hell. Do not let somebody tell you that you are, there is no such thing as too far gone. You're going to put God in a box and say, I'm just too bad and you can't save me. The Holy Spirit will convince you that you are savable and that you can be saved. In fact, he will convince you that he desperately wants to save you. He'll convince you that everybody that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He'll convince you that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. He did that to me. Because all I thought is if I act good enough and I do good things and I act right, if there is a heaven, then I'll be there. But it ain't about all that doing. Just like I can't do enough to get there, I can't do enough bad to not get there. It is a grace and a faith thing, and the Holy Spirit will convince you of that. He'll convince you that God so loved the world that he himself died for you. He did that for me. That the God, the creator of the universe, died for me and, and for you. And the Holy Spirit convinced me of that. He'll convince you that he loves you more than you could ever imagine right in the middle of your messed upness, right in the middle of your brokenness, right in the middle of the sin. He will convince you that he loves you enough for you to lean on him to be able to stop that sin. And he'll convince you that you can, in fact, be victorious in the Christian life when he's got your back. So not only does, he, does the Spirit convince you that Jesus is who he says he is, and that you need him as your savior, but he also confirms, he confirms that if you belong to him, if you belong to him, that you belong to him. Romans 8, 16, Paul said, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. And he confirms the permanence of it. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. It's got some scribble scrabble on the screen. It's chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. I want to spend two minutes going through this, th these two verses. In him you also. In him. In who? In Christ. In him. The Holy Spirit. In him, look at that arrow going down. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In Christ, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. When did that happen? When you heard the word of truth, but you can't just hear it. When you heard the word of truth and... You heard the gospel, which is the word of truth, and you believed it. Then you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and the Holy Spirit seals you. The Holy Spirit acts as a guarantee. Why do I need a guarantee? Why do I need a guarantee? He is, his, his permanent residence in my life is the guarantee of the inheritance that I will have. Well, what's the inheritance? In this life, the Holy Spirit is guaranteeing me that in the next life, I'll be with the Lord for eternity. That is a guarantee. Paul says it right there. I get born again. I'm a new creation. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of me. Y'all, you can't get unborn again, right? Thank the Lord that you can't get unborn again. 
and the sealing of the Holy Spirit is the guarantee for me until I move into the next life. And I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. And guess what else I know? I know that I know that I know that I'm saved, but I also know that that doesn't end the sin and the temptation in my life. It gives me the power to defend myself, right? Don't put on yourself that you get saved and therefore you're going to be sinless. That's a lie from hell. Because when you do that to yourself, then, then you, you've succumbed to some temptation and the devil stand there saying, uh-huh, I told you. You thought you were saved, but you're not saved. So don't put that on yourself. So the Holy Spirit, he activates, he comforts, he counsels, he convicts, he corrects, he challenges, he conquers, he, he convinces, and he confirms. And the question for me and you to ask today is not how much of the Holy Spirit do I have, but how much of me does the Holy Spirit have? Have you and I fully surrendered to him as he convicts us of our need for Christ? As our as we have need to be saved, as we have need for a Savior? Have you let him uh, correct the wrong direction of your life? Have you hopped off the highway and made a U-turn? Have you yielded uh, to his challenge to live a passionate life for the Lord? I'm telling you, if you haven't done that, listen to him now. Don't, you, can, you can only ignore Morgan Freeman's voice for so long. Don't ignore that. Surrender to that. And, and just remember, think about this. It is not, again, it's not a complicated thing, y'all. It is, I repent. I get on the off-ramp. I go under the highway on Manchester Expressway, and I jump back up on 185 headed the other direction. Y'all, that's repentance. I turn. I turn. And then I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that what happened on that cross took care of it. And he was raised from the dead. That's it. I believe it's not doing, it's not not doing, it is by grace through faith. Look, that's, it, is, it is not a doing thing. I believe, I repent, and I believe, and I confess, and he will save me. And if that is you today, and I want you to pray this prayer, and I had this conversation with somebody last week, this little prayer, and people call it the sinner's prayer. Okay, that sinner's prayer does not save you. Christ saves you. Whatever prayer, whatever words you use, doesn't save you. Christ saves you. Doing something does not save you. But getting it out of your mouth, saying that, sure does help. It helps me get it right in my mind, and it helps me get it right in my heart, and it kind of makes it real to me. So I'm still going to tell you, y'all bow your heads, close your eyes, and if this is you today, just kind of follow along and say this. Um, say this in your mind or say it out loud. Lord, today is the day. Today is the day that I want to hop off the highway and head the other way. Today is the, the day that I really do repent and I ask you, Lord, save me. I believe your gospel. I believe you died for me. Save me. Lord, the people in this room that are doing that right now, Lord, I lift them up to you. I lift them up to you in Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask y'all, y'all can look up, I'm going to ask y'all because every person in this room has somebody in their family, a friend, a co-worker, sorry, somebody that you know, maybe a bunch, that are not believers. You do. I guarantee it. I got a hundred people in my family. I want to ask y'all to commit this week to pray for the people in your 
in your world that need to hear the gospel. And I would say invite them to church. And it's not, it's not about building this church. It's about building the kingdom, y'all. It's about building the kingdom. It's not about this church. That's why that little website's on the back side of that card. Everybody you ask to come ain't coming to church. But if they can watch one of those videos and something stirs, the Holy Spirit stirs their heart up, man, heaven just got a little bit more crowded. And I, I said this last week, we don't weep enough for the lost. We don't think about the reality of what happens when somebody dies without Christ. They go to hell. There are people in your families that God wants to use you to lead them to the cross. And it is your duty as a believer, if you're a believer, it's your duty, it's your responsibility to do something about that. And I do want to put that on you. And I want to put that on myself because I've been a coward very often with my family in, in, in sharing the gospel with them. You know who the Lord uses to convict me of that? Her. She's told me man up a hundred times, y'all. And so my commitment to y'all is that I'm going to have those conversations and continue to have them with my family. And I encourage y'all to do the same thing. Let me pray one more time and I'm going to turn it over to Richard. Is he up here? Lord, we love you today. And Lord, I, I, I lift our church family up to you. Lord, I ask you to, to give us all boldness in our faith. Not arrogance. Man, not arrogance. Lord, but boldness. Your guy Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And Lord, let us all not be ashamed of the gospel. Let us not beat folks upside the head with the Bible, though. We share compassionately your story. And so my prayer is that every single person in this room that calls you their Lord would do that this week. That is our mission and that is our vision, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.